0: This is Leave Your Mark. I'm Vince Cortez, and today's guest is Mark Thomas. Mark is a PTSD survivor. He is a police officer in Australia for six years at the time he experiences a visual crime suicide that changes his life forever. Mark, thank you for being my guest here today.
1: Good morning, Vince. Thanks for having me. Very appreciative to uh, be on your show.
2: Hi there, and welcome. Now it's time for America's favorite podcast. Leave Your Mark with your host, Vince Cortez. If it's loose, fit it, it's Cortez. If freezing, chop in it, it's Cortez. Leave Your Mark It's about inspiring the world, one guest at a time. Pass the word from Brooklyn to Pittsburgh, from urban to suburb, it's Cortez, you heard?
0: And here is our host, Vince Cortez. I want to mention... Before we start, this is a subject of which most people that experience PTSD do not like to speak about it. And I appreciate your courage and stepping up and sharing with those that don't know what it is or haven't experienced and giving them a pretty deep insight of what goes on somebody that has this type of experience. So I commend you for that. Yeah, thank you. And uh, look, it's it's very
1: important to me that I that I do use my voice because I know I can speak about my experiences without being heavily triggered. So I, I'm able to give people a voice and uh, give some education and an awareness to the um, to the injury that it is.
0: We'll, we'll touch on it a little bit later, but you mentioned that a large part of the therapy that you get from this is, is actually getting up and speaking about it. And that, that really is the, usually the line of which people don't wanna cross. So we'll, we'll talk about that and how uh, things have gelled from that point of enjoying setting yourself free from what you experience. So uh, what I would like to do is just get a little background on, you know, you're Australian born in Victoria, Australia. Uh, Just uh, one sibling, your brother, Brian, your mother, Cheryl, and she's a homemaker, your dad, Ron, and he's a bank manager. And, You have an unusual experience at the age of eight. uh, Your mother dies from kidney cancer at the age 33. So uh, a childhood uh, uh, that's quite unusual. Do you have any memories from that? Is the effect that that had on you and, and how it would play out later on? Or you would learn those things later? You learn so much. And people ask me what it's like to grow
1: up without a mother. I said, I don't really know because I don't know what it's like to grow up with a mother, so I've got nothing to compare it. I know that the short answer to that is usually say, it, "Well, it sucks, and it has a has an effect that continues on for the for the rest of your life. Uh, you learn the various stages of grieving, uh, which you don't really have a handle of when you're eight years yeah, old. Yeah, no, sure. that's but, just um. But, but, look, I've been able to, as much as I you know, dearly love my mum and dearly miss her and uh, I wish it was different, I know it's not. So, so again, it, it's that turning, that's, you know, whether we touch on it later on or not, um, you know, it's very, very important to me. In fact, it's critical that I turn every negative that I experience into a positive. And I've been able to speak to a lot of mates over the years about when they've lost uh, people close to them. Uh, what it's like what to expect this Mm -hmm. is what it's like for me Uh, but it's just that uh, it's something that happens to obviously a lot a lot of people Mm -hmm. Uh, and I consider I I consider myself uh, people say geez you're unlucky and I said well you can look at it through that lens or you can look at it through the lens that I've got you know with with all due respect every other father in the world I've got the best one Uh, and I've got a great brother and you know like uh, other people go through worse situations. So that's what
0: I wanted to touch on. Now, you sounded like you're pretty close with your dad and your brother, Brian, and it, that situation you experienced there would definitely draw you closer together. So you move along then into high school, and while you're going through high school, your activities are sport. You like cricket and Australian rules football, yep. a car interest, and you like working with wood with your hands. So you're at Geelong Technical School, which uh, share with the audience what the schooling like is in Australia and how that progresses from high school and so forth.
1: So we're back in the 1980s when I was at school, which makes me sound old, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, there, there was two, basically two types of school, a high school and a technical school. And the high school was more the uh, the academic side of uh, of schooling, whereas a technical school, whilst you're still doing maths, English, um, sciences, and things like that, but it's also got woodwork and engineering and mechanics and uh, those types of subjects attached to it. And both my brother and I were both te- technical school lads. Uh, and then you can either after there you go to university, which is, which is your your college, and then get jobs from there. But we both, my brother and I. Uh, got apprenticeships out of technical school.
0: So, you're a tradesman so, like right at 18 years of age, right? Yeah, so this yep, is good my now. Trade. now. Uh, so you leave school and you go to be a mechanic, yes. Okay, so you're a mechanic for six years. What are you working on?
1: Mostly cars. Uh, I was pretty lucky, I had a, It was a really good little workshop I had. Oh, it wasn't mine, the, my boss's business, but he'd do all the small little tinkly things. And I just do all the engine rebuilds, all the fun stuff. So that was, um, it was good. I enjoyed it, but it ultimately wasn't, wasn't what I wanted to do for, for the rest of my life.
0: Now, I think what's kind of interesting is that athlete creeped on you, you go to England and you play cricket for six months. Yeah. How did you pull that one?
1: Well, a lot of Australians and Kiwis for that matter, New Zealanders head over there and our, our winter is their summer. So we go over and ha- have the experience. It's uh, like I've got a 15 year old lad who loves cricket, and I'll certainly be sending him over there to do that at some stage because it's just a, it's a great experience. Um, learn a lot of things, uh, being away from home for that extended period of time for the first time, you know. It, well you know me it caused me to grow up a lot
0: yeah well in a different culture too
1: so different culture uh different different climates different it's it's just a great experience and there's something that i'd always wanted to do so you know i had the chance to do it and off i went
0: shortly thereafter uh the police academy inkling is in you so you go into the police academy. First of all, what made you decide to want to be a police officer at this point in your life? Well, just helping people.
1: The, the idea that um, you can help people when it's their worst day and you can have that little bit of influence to try and you know put a smile on their face or help them through a critical incident or something of that nature is very appealing um and and i think a lot of that stems from uh losing losing mum at a young age and being able to help people The, the the empathetic uh nature within me is obviously pretty powerful so that's where i think that's come from no
0: i mean you're also pretty fearless because being a police officer in australia is a little different than in the united states so share with me because you know you're putting your life in danger every day you get up and go to work, and they make that very clear to you before you start. so understanding what's at stake um does this deter you? Does this determine you to go in and help people more what what, what were you feeling? Well you sort of don't really think of it kind of that way it's
1: well well, it's interesting in that once you go out on the road um you're you know your your senses are very heightened Uh, you're aware of your surroundings and you make sure you don't put yourself in any situations that you don't need to where you could get hurt but also knowing full well that uh, there is a a certain section of the community that that doesn't like you but it's not personal it's just they don't like me for what I'm wearing not me as a person so you got to make that distinction.
0: So you come in with a bigger mindset, and so you you can maintain your empathy. This is the the exact reasons why you should be a police officer. the The core reasons are in a moral space of which you can do the service that you're intending. So much appreciation and kudos to you on that. <laughs> Thank you. Connect with us on LinkedIn, be
2: our friend on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. You are listening to Vince Cortez. We just want you to leave
0: your mark. Now, in 2015 and 16, you turn into a speaker. But before we get into that, I want to go into the topic of our conversation is your PTSD. and. Tell me about how the thing, uh, how the day goes and kind of run me through the day of, uh, you know, you're on the job for six years at this point. You're familiar with what's going on, uh, probably begins to feel very routine in your work. And then this happens. So share with me how it goes down.
1: Yeah, so it was the 8th of April, 2003, and we got called uh, myself and a a bloke I'm still really good mates with. Um, Phil Lum and we got called to a suicide and it was sort of the way the call was given was that it had just happened so we went there uh, with lights and sirens and making plans for when we go there and then we got there we went inside the one bedroom little flat and then we, we kind of slowed down a little bit to, have to make sure we're not missing anything and then I looked around the corner and the deceased was there so I won't go into the gory details but uh, I, I looked at the deceased for all of, you know, the blink of an eye, basically. As quick as you can look one way and turn away, that's about it. But my mind took a a, a complete photograph of that and I, I felt it physically in my chest. And, you know, prior to this day, I've been to uh, any number of other types of suicide, drug overdose deaths, fatal accidents, uh, which, you know, first responders, that's... that's what we go to so and i'd never reacted this way before and it's the, the the really defining not defining whether that's the right word or not but the the feeling in the chest that the actual it was like um i got pushed in the chest someone had pushed me uh well you know they could be down now what i believe to be anxiety but uh it was I, I knew at that stage, I, well, I knew immediately that there was something very, very different about this day. I went outside. I, I left the unit. I uh, went outside and evidently who, whoever entered that unit and uh, uh, located uh, the deceased had also rung family and friends and they started turning up outside. So I, I was giving them the death messages, which I would have much rather have done rather than go back inside that was that was just a no-go zone for me um from there on so and then yeah i, I went we, we both just completed what we had to do at the scene and uh went back to the station did the associated paperwork and uh and then just basically got on with the rest of the shift and i didn't do anything about it uh and that's it it
0: sounded like the way that it went was that was such an impression on you you you, it it almost like the world went into slow motion for a little while for you to process what had happened uh you shared with me about a woman telling you the history of the building or where the incident happened and then a question that she asked you that i think is just very interesting
1: yeah well as part of you know, like my continual recovery and you know, educating others that do a lot of speaking, you, you sort of alluded to that, to that earlier on. And uh, I, I presented to a group of police officers one day and a, one of the ladies in the crowd come up after it. And she said, oh, is you, have you got an open mind? I said, yeah, yeah, I've got a very open mind. She said, I'm just going to run this by her. And she related a story, and it was somewhere in America where she was staying at a... Um, a house or something similar with, with some friends and one of the friends became very um, mentally unwell uh, out of nowhere and then what they so they went and saw some clinicians and uh, therapists and no, couldn't really put it down to anything and they relayed this story to someone else and they said there's a chance because what what they backtracked and they found out that the room that this person was staying in, someone had died. And the, uh, this other person suggested that the spirit of the person who died had, um, had jumped into the, their friend's body. She said, do you think that could have happened to you at, at that scene? And like the shorter answer is, I don't know. And this is where it's important to have an open mind. Some people would go, that's an absolute possibility. Whereas other people would go absolutely no chance. If you believe in that, yeah, no, no, no. So I'm, I'm somewhere in the middle where I think anything's possible. And I think it's a case of, well, for those people that don't believe that, well, okay, can you disprove that? Like, I can't prove it, but you can't disprove it. So it's, it's an interesting one. Uh, I, I don't, the gut feel is no. I think it was just the sheer sight of the scene, but I can't be hundred percent on that. Could have
0: what makes you now? I uh, what makes you think that you're not a hundred percent certain is like, um, would you recognize possibly a difference in your decision making or possibly in your moods? Because we're as humans, especially as a police officer, they always references that that intuition or that gut feeling and i i mean i think something pushing on your chest is bigger than a gut feeling and a gut feeling usually comes from the inside out not the outside in Mm. so what you had was whatever it was it was extremely unique and i think as you would continue to go through therapy here um you know, the idea that you're not open to it and you're not close to it kind of makes it even more intriguing from the standpoint that what really did happen to you back there.
1: Yeah, it's absolutely intriguing. i found my whole journey to be an unbelievably fascinating process. Obviously not one I recommend going through. But uh, on that, so what if i had not have improved through all the therapy i've done and like I'm um, i was not medicated for a couple of years then i plateaued you know I, I was on medication for a while then i um, stopped it because i just wanted to see where I was uh, and now I'm back on medication but i, I responded really well to to therapy um, you know if i do my daily meditations and like I haven't drank alcohol since uh since 2013 am uh, you know, congratulations my, my my diet thank you uh, my diet's pretty good uh, so I do all these other supplementary things that all that all add up to me being uh, continue to be able to contribute to society to function quite well to be a decent um, husband father brother. I want to ask you so, a question
0: um, you mentioned also now that you didn't want your wife to know what you had experienced and what was going on through you mentally and emotionally yep. and the strength of you to do that is fantastic just unbelievable and then the idea of realizing at what point that instead of keeping this information from her and it was probably weighing you down even more. Then, what process did you work through that she would eventually find out? So, share with me initially why you didn't want to tell her what was going through your mind at that point.
1: Well, this is where the when you are uh, mentally injured, which post traumatic stress is a mental injury, uh, or you have a mental um, health condition, such as you know, depression, anxiety, which is all growing within me your brain plays tricks on you. Now, my kids were were pretty young at that stage, about three and five, and you know I was protecting it from them. Absolutely, they too young to understand. But my brain, what I should have done back then, uh, this is when I was getting uh, at my worst, was my brain was telling me, as you just said, then I've got to protect my wife from it when she's probably the first person I should have sat down with and said, you know, I'm not feeling too well psychologically here, something's not right and we can talk it through and then, you know, take take the necessary actions and steps to uh, alleviate whatever was going on. But I didn't, because as you said, I need to protect from that. And that's where when you are struggling to this point, uh, it, it's your brain plays tricks on you. And that's, I think a lot of the time, that's that's what leads to people to become suicidal and, and you know, take, take their lives because their brains are telling them that, uh, the world would be better off without them and they're not, no good at anything. And, and that's yeah you know, obviously a very dangerous situation.
0: Did you feel like that increased the pressure, what was going on, not sharing that with her? Like, what was your feeling when she would, you know, you would tell her and she found out?
1: Well, I didn't really know what was happening to me. I I, I didn't, uh, I, I knew I wasn't feeling overly good for a while. while well, <laughs> hopefully good's the greatest understatement of all time. Uh, I was feeling completely horrible, but uh, I had booked in to see, so it all kind of culminated in um, February, I'm going to say February 6th, 2013, where I went to a a wellbeing forum at work, kind of ironic. Uh, And one of the lecturers up there was talking about PTSD, depression, anxiety and suicide and, had all these um, things on the on, on the PowerPoint and it made me realise that uh, I, I'm in a world of trouble here. So I actually after that session, I, I left and booked in to see one of our clinicians, um, one of our work-related therapists. And that was the following Monday. But then on the Sunday night, I had um, what my first treating clinician said was a catastrophic loss of self. So basically I'd let this go for so long
0: when you what's but, the length of time is that well just about 10 years after wow that, a decade wow
1: so, yeah so just you're, you're pretty bad up me. yeah I, was, I wasn't i was in a very very bad way and i just didn't realize how what was going on and so i was just i was uneducated and very naive
0: um to mental sometimes health sometimes that protects us too though you know the naivety yeah and so yep. now she finds out, you move forward, you're going through these therapies and you're you're 20 years removed from this incident now, or close yeah. to it, you you, yeah, said yeah. you were getting close to selling a, a celebrating an anniversary of it. <laughs> so um, what, what I really like talking to you, and I wanna bring this up. You, when we were in the beginning of the interview and speaking about what's obviously a very delicate situation with your mother's passing, your response was that you didn't want to have a a, a bad outlook on life. You wanted to see the positive side of things. And it's like, here we are on the other side of life with you mentally and emotionally being rattled and you're still coming back to your core. You know, So the idea that that good person inside there is stronger and wants to come out more than this person that got terrified and, and meddled with mentally and emotionally, it, again, these are giant steps. Like your behavior towards moving, being happy, being sane, having a normal life. Is, is commendable to, to you and your not only your approach, but your willingness to continue to stay in the fight. So that being said, we come up to the point now where you're being stimulated by this. You're, you're turning into a pseudo celebrity, even though you don't want any of that. <laughs> and you're talking to Americans, and that's what we do to everybody. <laughs> so, so, share with me how this speaking starts. Uh, where was the first time you get up and speak about this publicly, and, and what has come of that? So, I reckon
1: the, the first time I spoke about my journey would have been 2014. I reckon I was asked by. Um, a person to present to a, another another one of my work units uh, within my organisation. Yeah, no worries, cool. I'll talk about it. I'm happy to talk about it. Uh, and then the I worked out reasonably quickly that the more I talk about it, the better I feel. Uh, I I made the the idea that I've got a whole stack of poison in me. And to get that poison out of me, I need to talk and talk about it. Uh, so, you know, we would be hundreds of times I've told my story to, you know, various policing units and all um, sporting organizations, women's groups, men's groups, the whole gamut of society I've, I've, I've told my story to. And uh, COVID. It's a little bit more difficult doing it online, but mm-hmm. um, but yeah, having the live crowd's always good. It's just like at the start again; it's it's important. Like yes, it, it, it's healthy for me, and, and that's ultimately why I do it. But but also, you know what hap- What happened to me happened to me because I was uneducated and I was naive and I didn't know what the signs and symptoms were. Uh, so the more I can speak about it with, uh, with with various audiences, it's helping to educate people. It's getting the word out there. Um, lowering the stigma is critically important, uh, and it's
2: yeah, it's it's fun. I enjoy doing it. If you are listening from Australia, Florida, or just from around the corner, from the East coast to West coast outlets. If you're not into the dirty South straight, make a body, body. Contact us, leave your
0: mark with your host, Vince Cortez. Uh, you're also uh, doing podcasts and yeah. you're talking about the awareness of this and the mental health. So mental health is a very big issue right now. So I would imagine you're in a lot of demand as far as people wanting to have you come in and share your story with their audience as well. So um, you have uh, charity first responders code nine PTSD. Share with me what your charity is about.
1: Yeah. So when I was in hospital, I was, uh, I felt intensely alone. That's, that's, I was thinking no one else could possibly know what I'm going through, which is obviously complete of rubbish. And again, that's one of those brain tricks I was talking about. So once I got back to work full time uh, and you know recovered sufficiently enough, um, yeah, I just started a little support group for professional first responders to be able to. So for those people that are newly diagnosed or struggling, then we can get around them and say you're not alone. All right, we're 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 with you on this. We've walked in your shoes. We'll help you out, and that just that just blossomed. <clears throat> Excuse me. It blossomed into a uh, a registered charity here in Australia, where we raise uh, funds for assistance dogs uh, that have saved saved a couple of my mates' lives. Uh, genuinely saved their life because they're they're such powerful tools to use uh, with with mental injuries. And you know, we help our people with meals and. Send people away on respite weekends when they just need a break and house and garden maintenance and a, and a whole whole stack of other things. So it's uh, uh, again, it's another very very positive thing that's come out of uh, my very extremely negative situation. So again, go turn things around.
0: No, it, and it's pivotal from the moment it happens because you go into a different conscious mind. And as you said, you're naive, so you're you're in the process of reprogramming yourself moving forward. So um, I think that I want to encourage you to write a book on your experience. <laughs> I think it it would be very helpful. But um, I want you to share with me some of your social media links now. But before you do that, um, you're just fifty years of age this past year, correct? Just dive Are- over the five O. Eh? Are you prepared to retire? Or are you as that's already happened?
1: No, nah, no, nah, I'm still going. I reckon I've got about another 10 years or so. Oh, wow. Uh, I still, okay. Yeah, I still really enjoy work. Uh, okay. I've got a great work unit. I love what I do. The people I work with are great. Um, so while I'm still mentally and physically able to, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm on to the
0: force. Continue on. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. Absolutely commendable. What I would like to do now is ask you the question that all my guests answer, how would you like to leave your mark?
1: For me, it comes down to uh, when when the time comes that I leave this great big chunk of dirt hurtling through space, if people just go, you know what, he did a fair bit for mental health. Like there's other things, obviously, children, things like that. But overall, for me in this kind of subject is, you know, I want to change people's lives for the better with their mental health, just to educate more people, which ultimately comes down to suicide prevention. It's such a tragic outcome to something that would, that, that is, um, you know, people don't have to do it. It's, I, I, it's, you know, tragic in every sense of the word when people take their own lives. So the more education, the more times I can tell my story to say, well, you know, if he can come back, there's no reason why anyone else can't sort of come back to the brink.
0: It's beautiful. Mm-hmm heart of gold mark (laughs) a heart of gold you got man it's like the you're everything is dialed in you're taking care of yourself and you're taking care of the bigger picture in your community and the people in it and uh they need more people like you we all knew we could use some of you over here in the states in a big way (laughs) so appreciate the words before we cut out Let's uh, give me a couple of your social media links that we can tell people to go and check out and get more details on your story and what you're up to next.
1: Yeah. So websites, markthomas.com.au, Mark with a K. Uh, Well, basically Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter are all um, at or slash after ice melts. There's a little bit of a story for that. So just quickly, I went to Nepal pre-diagnosis and I went to, Nepal post diagnosis, uh, trekking, and vastly different experiences. And the after I went was after the ice had melted. So that's how I come up with that. It's a little bit of a sort of side story. But yeah, after ice melts is is the tagline for everything. And on LinkedIn, I think if you searched
0: Sergeant Mark Thomas, it would be the easiest way. Okay after the ice melt sounds like after the ice melt sounds like a good title of a book yeah yeah i'm pushing the book i'm pushing the book we'll get (laughs) you on amazon that's the quickest way to do it (laughs) but i i want to thank you again for coming by and uh you're it's you're over in australia it's uh, what time of the day is it over there it's
1: nine thirty-five in the morning, and I'm sitting in the back of my car while my son practices cricket.
0: <laughs> and, uh, and it's it is six thirty-four here in the east coast of the United States. So this is the beauty of the internet. I get to share a story on the other side of the world. So I appreciate you being here and be blessed. Appreciate the time. Thanks very much. Thanks for listening to Leave Your Mark today. Tune into our next episode of Leave Your Mark with Vince Cortez. Be blessed. You just left your mark.
2: Thanks for listening. listening. Listen to more episodes on demand. Just click Leave Your Your Mark with Vince Cortez.